0: So welcome back, everybody. Um, I put something on your seats that I, I forgot to hand out last time. This is, um, it says, turn your world into gold. And what this is, is it shows you some things that you commonly would say to your kids and how you can rephrase it so that you're allowing them to be powerful and that you're, you are not, you're sending the message, I expect you to control yourself. So there's just a a couple of things. Rather than making a command, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to imply that I can control you. I'm going to say, this is what I expect you to do, and this is how I will respond if you do that. So one of them just on the right side, a couple down, like, keep your room neat. Okay, That's a a command. Nothing terrible about that. But the problem is, I am trying to control you with that command. Another way to say it was, all keepers of neat rooms are welcome to join us for ice cream okay now you don't have to give a reward every time please don't give a reward every time they do what they're supposed to do but i'm going to tell them what i'm going to do okay i might even say something like you are welcome to come join us for dinner as soon as your room is clean okay i can control when i give them dinner i can't control when their room is clean and i don't want to i want them to decide that they're going to clean their room so there are a lot of suggestions on this list. It'll be real helpful, and I'll probably um, put it up on our Facebook page. I want to talk to you about the amygdala, okay? The amygdala is what you just felt, that sensation you just felt was your amygdala just got hijacked, okay? It was, it was a, everybody, every human being has this natural fight, flight, or free defense mechanism inside you. And so on that video, as you're watching, you're wondering, this is kind of fishy. Maybe you've seen it before. Maybe somebody already got you with it. But this is kind of fishy. You're a little bit on alert, but you're not ready. And then when that thing jumped, it, it spiked. Something spiked in your brain. Okay? And so what, um, what it is, is it's, uh, the amygdala is a roughly almond-shaped mass of gray matter inside each cerebral hemisphere. And it's involved with the experience of emotions. So when we're scared, we don't think rationally, right? When, think about it, when you're scared, you're not thinking I need to do this and this and this. You're scared, you're like, I need to get safe. I need to get protection right now. And so we disconnect from people, we disconnect from whatever else is going on, and we start trying to protect ourselves. Okay, so, so scientists have, have figured out that it, it comes down to three ways when that amygdala gets hijacked, is we fight, okay? We want to fight it, we want to battle whatever the issue is, and um, you know I've felt this many times when I feel scared, and I can be just scared that um, I'm not being heard. I'm scared that I'm not being respected by my kids. Okay, my amygdala is getting hijacked. I hear them mouth off to me or their mom. My amygdala gets hijacked. Okay, then there's flight. Fight is basically run away. I want to get away from this issue. I want to get away from the problem because I need to feel safe. And then there's the one that that is less known They've kind of just come up with it recently is freeze. Now freeze is basically you are trying, you just feel frozen in the situation that you're in. I have a story that one time when I was a kid, I remember freezing. I was um, playing baseball in the front yard with um, my cousin And um, one of his neighbor friends, we were at his house. And we were playing baseball right in the front yard, right in front of their house. And I hit a foul ball straight back into the siding of their house. Didn't break anything, but it hit right into the siding. And we didn't think too much, so we just kept playing. Um, He didn't say anything. You know, it was his house. So I was a kid. I was not worried about it. They threw another ball, and I fouled it straight back again right into the siding. And this time, his mom came out and just started screaming at all, all of us kids out there, just screaming. Now, I was standing there with my hands on my hips listening to her. I was not trying to be disrespectful, but looking back, I can see it probably looked pretty disrespectful because I was just standing there like this. And she saw me, and she just started, she like singled me out and got right in my face and started screaming at me. And I totally froze, Like I didn't want, I I knew I better not run because I felt like that'd be disrespectful. And I knew that I wasn't going to yell back at her because she was an adult. So I just stood there and stared at her with like no expression on my face. And it scared her to death because I didn't back down. I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but that's what freeze looks like, okay? Is when you don't know what to do, you know that you've been triggered and you don't know what to do and you just basically, you can't move. So this is what happens when we threaten control. When a child who needs control, we all need to feel like we've got some control of ourselves. When that gets threatened, that's when we see the fight, flight, or freeze. It happens in us and it can happen in our children. So when they feel like you are trying to, to, to come in and take away their control of themselves, it can trigger. When you come in and you start screaming at them, when you come in and you start doing things that make them feel threatened, it is triggering that amygdala. And it's hard for them to think rationally about what's going on. Same way it's hard for us to think rationally. When I was standing in that spot with the lady screaming in my face, it was hard for me to think rationally. It was hard for me to think of what, how, what is the best way to deal with this. I was just thinking, how do I get safe right now? How do I get back what I wanted? Again, this is most prevalent when, when, when uh, control gets, gets threatened This panic response can get triggered. You most commonly see this in toddlers and teens. And remember what what the difference is between toddlers and teens? Body Body hair, that's right, body hair. They both need to feel like they're in control of their world. They both need to feel like they've got control of something. Um, The thing is, it isn't that they don't want our wisdom. They just don't wanna lose their freedom in the process of it. Now freedom is a funny thing. It doesn't mean that I will not protect you. It doesn't mean that I will let you run into the street and play in the middle of a busy intersection. But it does mean that I want you to know that I don't have the delusion of thinking you don't have free choices in things. I don't have the delusion of thinking that I can actually control my kids. The only control that I have is the control that they give me. Because ultimately, if I think I have control over, over them, more than likely they're going to prove to me that I don't. And I don't want to have come in, into that where they have to prove to me that I don't have control over them. I want them to learn to control themselves. I want them to see that they can do this, that they can handle situations on their own. And so remember, who we really control is ourselves on a good day on a good day, I've done everything I need to do, and I've, I'm actually controlling me. I'm actually taking care of, I'm doing things the way that I wanted to do them. There's this, uh, there's this thing, uh, this verse in John 4, 18, that I think is a key for us where we want to go tonight. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Fear and love should never be in the same place. Actually, the inverse is true too. If if perfect love casts out fear, perfect fear does a pretty good job of casting out love. Imperfect fear does a pretty good job of it too. It's hard to have love and fear in the same place, okay? And if you think about it, who are you more likely to understand or want to to connect to? Is somebody who is feeling angry or somebody who's feeling hurt? Because underneath our emotions, underneath that fear, there's actually, we're trying to protect something, okay? So when you have a child acting out, it isn't because they're an unruly, terrible kid, it's because there's something that's feeling threatened. Something just got triggered. All right, Um, so okay, smarty pants. What about this? I I love to go back to this one. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs nine ten. It does say that. So what do I do with that? Right. The question is, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How does that work? Well, I can't. I can't give a, a. I don't like when people come in and say, well, that's not really fear. That's just respect. Because then we would need to completely change the translation. But I will say the fear of the Lord is something different. Because the fear of the Lord does not make us want to run away from him. It makes us want to run toward him. Okay? So the fear of the Lord is something that's actually drawing us into him. When we talk about fear, though, in our lives, we're, we're saying, I, I better be afraid to do the right thing. And I want to hide. I want to be away from you. So when we're dealing with our kids, we wanna make sure that we're not putting fear into them, we're showing them love. Now, love does not mean that they don't get consequences. Remember, we talked about some consequences last time. They need to have consequences so they can learn. But the consequence is not I disconnect from them. The consequence is not they wonder if I still love them or not when they mess up. The consequence is whatever happens naturally or whatever I can control, in my life that makes them think why did i make that decision i have all these choices and i made a poor choice why would i choose that when i could have chosen the other one and i want them thinking that i want them to realize i've got at least two choices here and one of them might be really dumb why would i choose the dumb choice classically what we think is we've got to scare scare kids to think that so they don't make a dumb choice you know, if, if you don't scare me really bad, I'm gonna stick my finger in the light socket. Well, not necessarily. If I know what that's involved, and if I have, know that I have freedom, I don't want to stick my finger in the light socket because I know that would be a bad idea. Um, there's a lie that we often deal with, and the lie is about control. As I said, you only control yourself you don't control your kids and people will come to you and then people can say control your kids you need to control your kids but the honest truth is you don't you don't the only control you have over your kids is the control that they give to you okay you can put a gun to my head and tell me to deny Jesus and I still have two choices I still have that freedom that that Jesus actually paid the price so that I have free will I can choose one way or the other and what I wanna go after is a heart connection. I wanna connect with my child in such a way that they know that it hurts my heart, that it matters to me when they're making a poor choice, and it matters to them that they know that they are, they're golden, they are so amazing that they, I, I believe that they can make good choices, that I know that they can do this. There's a, a lie that we, underneath this, under this lie of control that we deal with, is that violence and anger equal power. Most of the time, somebody who's getting violent and angry is actually feeling powerless. They're they're reacting that way because they're feeling out of control, and I need to do something to try to get myself some power here. So I'll get get loud, I'll get angry, because I need people to start respecting me. I'm feeling disrespected, I'm feeling out of control, so I'll get loud and angry because I need to feel that. There's another lie that we deal with is that other people control me. And we do this like when we say tell somebody you make me mad well if I could make you mad think about this if I had the power to make you mad if I had the power to control your emotions I would never push the mad button I would never push the mad button if I could make you something I would always pick you think I'm amazing you love me you think I'm great okay so we need to recognize our emotions, are, are, are what we do are choices that we make. Nobody controls that and I don't wanna put on my children that I expect them to control my emotions. I expect me to control my emotions, okay? So when I'm dealing with a bad situation, a mistake that they made, I, I want to take care of myself so that I can control myself when I'm dealing with that. I want to model to them that I can control me because ultimately as they grow up, I expect them to control themselves. I want them to see what it looks like to control yourself in a situation that is not ideal for you. There was a time um, when uh, Angie was um, home with Kara and I was away with uh, Caleb at a Cub Scout camp. And um, Kara, when she was little, she just you know, she likes mud and stuff now, but she's 10, so it's not as big of an issue, because she'll come in and clean up. But when she was like two, and she liked getting into stuff, there were days that we wondered what, if we were gonna survive. So Caleb and I were, were at Cub Scout camp, and Angie's home with Kara, and she knows like, okay, I have to shower at some point, but I don't know what this child is going to do if I go take a shower. So I'm gonna do a really quick shower, And come out and hopefully everything will be okay well she takes her shower she comes out and Kara comes walking in the door and there's sticky stuff all over her fingers and Angie's like what did you do what did you get into and Kara's just like playing with this sticky stuff she had taken Angie goes downstairs and she sees that Kara had taken an entire bottle of maple syrup and poured it all over our carpet floor carpet floor yeah so now Angie is like all right I'm not happy about this and I need to take a break here and deal with this because I want to show her the best me I want to keep her accountable for this and she basically said I need to put you in here because you're not safe for me right now I need to set you in here for your own safety so that I can gather myself and deal with this And that's what she did. Sometimes we have to make sure that I'm modeling to you. I'm controlling myself in this situation. It took us months to get we went over with the carpet cleaner over and over and over again. And we had her help clean the carpet. We we knew if she's the only one cleaning it, it's not going to get clean. And we finally got the odor out, but it took us forever to deal with it. And it was an exercise in self-control it was really an exercise in self-control that we had to learn. Okay, how do we, how do we make sure that we let her know this is not okay, but we, we still love her. And I have control of me, but I'm expecting you to control you. <laughs> it was, it, and, it, and it, it was a challenge. And Kara was, she's such a great kid, but she was the one that would, she would know how to trigger those little things. And it, oftentimes with her, she loved to explore It was not intentional which makes it easier to deal with mentally but not easier to clean up that you know she just she just had to learn some decisions you make have consequences and i you know i remember her up cleaning walls because of things that she had done and and things like that innocently but there's still consequences or choices so what i expect from them is when they make a mistake i do expect them to fix it to do what they can to clean it up Right. And so if if um, if they make a spill, they make a mess. If I know they're not going to do as good a job as me, I still want them participating in the cleanup, not as punishment. I'm not saying, you know, you have to do this, but I'm saying you made a mess. Let's let's get this cleaned up, because that's all we can do when we make a mess as an adult is do your best to clean it up. If you've ever had a relationship that you messed up you go back, you apologize, you do what you can to let them know you're really sorry, and you clean it up. And that's what we're demonstrating to them. Um, there, uh, an example that I love, you know, I, I think I talked about last time, um, the police officer, when in, in life, they don't typically expect that we have to go and start you know, externally controlling people. Consequences just come. Consequences just happen. Yes, officer, I did see the speed limit sign. I just didn't see you. <laughs> <laughs> when you, if, if you've ever gotten a speeding ticket or any kind of a traffic ticket, what typically happens, you're driving down the road. And um, if you knew the police officer was there, you wouldn't have been speeding. But you didn't, and so you're speeding, and all of a sudden, these you see the car, and you're like, "Oh, I hope he didn't see me. I hope he missed me." But he sees you, and the flashers go on, and so you know I I better pull over. I need to do that. In fact, um, I was following Angie home. Um, We took the kids to go pick blueberries, like toward the end of the season last year, and Caleb was just learning to drive. He's he he was getting his permit, and I was driving the car. And she uh, went through a light and then I wanted to stay with her. So I went through a red light and there was a police officer right there. So Caleb got to see what happens when, when you run a red light. (laughs) And so I pull over and uh, he, he the officer comes over to me and he's like, yeah, you, um, you ran that red light. They actually, the person there had to stop because you were, you were coming through and I'm going to have to give you a ticket for this. Um, because we we are really cracking down on red lights. And I felt a little anxiety, a little nervous, but never once was I nervous that he was going to get his stick out and start beating me or start threatening me. You better never, ever do that again. If I've told you once, I've told you a hundred times. Never once did I expect him to do that because the consequences were speaking for themselves. I was feeling shame because I'm sitting beside my son who's learning how to drive, and I'm getting a ticket in front of him. And so I'm trying to make this a learning moment in spite of the, the humiliation that I'm feeling. I'm trying to say, okay, right, this is what you do if you get pulled over, <laughs> all right? And so, you know, you don't get out of the car, you let him come up to you, you keep your hands on the wheel so you can see what you're doing, you know, get out the, the registration, get out proof of insurance. And the guy comes over and, I, and I, he, he writes me the ticket. And I actually, I told him, I said, you know, I know police officers have, have had a hard time, but I appreciate you doing your job. I would rather not get a ticket, but I appreciate you know that you're just do, doing your job. And then I actually thanked him when we were done because that's what often people do when you get pulled over by a police officer and they leave. You thank them. Why? I don't know. But you do that. But the, But the point is, never once did he have to threaten me. Never once did he have to scream or raise his voice at me. Never once did he have to... did he have to say that, you know, I needed to be afraid of him. I was was ashamed of of what I had done. I was ashamed of the consequence. And that's what we want our, our kids to recognize. I don't want them to be afraid of me, but I do want them to be thinking about what consequences might come for what they did. Now, there is bad news in this. And the bad news is Fear can work. It can work. It just doesn't leave much room for love. So you can, especially when they're younger, you can get your kids to do things through fear. It will work. You can, you, can, you know, scare them into doing what, what you want. If you remember the, the red truck, yellow truck example we gave last week, you can yellow truck them for quite a while. Basically, there's a a little red truck being smashed by a big yellow truck, and the, the implication is that the yellow truck is the one with the power, and the red truck has no power, so you better do what the yellow truck says. You can yellow truck your kids for a while. The problem is they keep growing. Like, you keep feeding them, and they keep growing. And so eventually they start thinking, you know, I think I'd like to be the yellow truck for a while. I think I want to do that. And pretty soon they they started getting a little more belligerent, a little more disrespectful because they learned that you need to use disrespect and power to get what you want. And so they're going to mouth back and they're going to snap back to to try to do what was modeled to them. And you might be able to hold on to that for a while and it may even work their whole time that they're in your house. The problem is the message of love will not come through if they have to be afraid all the time. That's the problem. Think about you know, what we know of, of uh, North Korea. There's a lot of yellow trucking going on, a lot of this is what I say, this is what you have to do. But I don't think of North Korea and think love. I don't think that's a place where there's a lot of love going on when I think about it. And that's kind of how it is, is you can get, at least for a time, if you have the right resources, you can use fear. It's just, not, it's just not a good thing if, if we're calling ourselves Christians and we want to bring love to the world. It's just not a good tool that we want to use to do that. So what I want to ask then is we want to think about what's under the, the anger, what's under the withdrawal, okay? There are three things, feelings and needs, there are three things that are underneath that hurt. I don't feel important or valuable. I need to know that I'm valuable to you. So somebody can get angry, but what really is underneath that is hurt because they don't feel important. They don't feel valuable. You'll see this a lot of times in sibling rivalry. One kid feels hurt because the other one got something they didn't, but they show anger. What's really underneath that is hurt or scared. You can show anger, you can show you know, hiding things if you're feeling scared. I'm afraid of consequences that, that, that you don't love me, that I won't get my needs met, etc. I need to know that you love me more than you are upset at the mistake I made, and that my needs are important to you. However upset you are at your kids, it still needs to be clear that you love them more than, than how upset you are. That your love for them is stronger than whatever you're upset about. That needs to be clear through the whole thing. doesn't mean that what they did is okay. Whatever mistake they made, it's okay to let them know, that really hurt me. That really hurt when you made that choice. But what I want them to know is, regardless, I still love them, because that's what God does for us. That's how he treats us. And then powerless. You're trying to take control of me, and I don't like it. I need to feel like I have control of myself and a say in what happens in my life. That's why we do the choices that we talked about last week. You know, the kid that that is fighting bedtime, the choices that you can give are, would you like to go to bed 15 minutes early? Do you want to go to bed on time? They need to feel like they've got a little little control, a little power. That'll help kind of diffuse things. Um, Recently, Uh, Well, you want to identify which one of these are happening you want to try to figure out Sometimes you're just talking to your kids. Are you feeling hurt? Are you scared? Are you feeling like you don't you're not getting to do control what you want? You want to identify what's going on them so that you can control you and Work on your own needs. It's a lot easier if I can see my kids my kids feeling hurt, but they're acting angry It's a lot easier for me to deal with that. Oh, they're hurt that's why they're acting in the way. It's not okay that they're doing that. But if I see hurt instead of tantrum, it's a lot easier for me to deal with that because now I'm addressing the hurt. If I, if I see scared, you know, he's scared that I don't love him. That's why he's acting like that. Well, now I can deal with that. I can look at what's going on and, and say, all right, you need to know that I love you. It's, it's not okay to ask for my love that way, but you need to know that I love you. And that's okay. Okay. Um, Recently, what this looks like is recently one of our girls, who I will not identify to protect the guilty, one of our girls, uh, you know, Angie was uh, giving some kind of suggestions to her. It wasn't anything really intense, but she heard our girls often have conflict related to bathroom time. They share a bathroom, and uh, we have a 14-year-old and a 10-year-old, and it's very, very common for the two of them to have bickering back and forth. One of them likes everything in order, and the other one could care less if everything is a mess everywhere all over the place. It's just their personalities, but they have to learn to live with, you, with each other now. I think it's amazing how God gives siblings to each other so they can rough their, you know, smooth their edges out before they get married because they're going to have to <laughs> learn to deal with this later on. So anyways, it it's just breaks Angie's heart every time that happens that they start bickering at each other because they, they treat each other so mean. They'll just start yelling and, and start saying, what's wrong with the other one? And it's, it's like you forget that they actually care about each other. So Angie's confronting one of them and saying, you're really not treating your sister well. And um, she got upset, and she just said, you always take her side, and this, and this, and this, and, and, but but actually got really mean to Angie, and so when things calmed down, I went up to her, and um, sat down, I think it was probably the next day, sat down, and talked to her, and to my daughter, and said, you know, how do you think you handled things last night? Well, mom doesn't understand, mom doesn't, you know, she's always taking the other one's side, she's always doing this, I said, all right, well, I can see that that, that's hard. And I I can see that it would be difficult that if you're feeling, you know, like things are unfair, I can hear that. But how do you think I feel, how do you think I felt when I heard you talking to my wife that way? And she's like connecting with that. She's like, oh, what I said actually affects your emotions and feelings. Because I said, I'm, I'm pulling out of her guess how how other people are receiving you. Guess how, and now she's thinking, oh yeah, I guess that does affect you too when I act that way to mom. I said, how do you think she felt when you talked to her like that? I said, if you needed her, if you needed to feel from her like she cared about your side, that wasn't the way to get it. It's okay to need that. Like it really is. You need to talk to her about that, that that's what you need. But to get it that way, now she's more worried about you disrespecting her than she is figuring out what it is that you need. And so she's, you know, we're talking about it, and she actually went back to Angie and, on her own, had a talk with her, and they they talked it out and they talked about it and they understood each other and were able to connect through that. But I had to open up and show what was going on inside of me. I could have gone in and said, you should not disrespect your mom like that. That is terrible. You should, no child should ever do that. What is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. The problem was she would never see my heart. Mm-hmm. She would never see what's going on inside of me. I wanted her to connect with my heart and recognize this hurts me. When you do that, it hurts my heart. It, it actually, and I need to know that you care about my heart in the process of this. And when she could see what was going on in my heart... She stops caring about you know, who's right and who's wrong. She's hearing, oh, this is actually hurting dad. This is actually, and I'm not trying to control her. I'm not trying to make her do anything. I'm trying to show her what's going on inside of me and allow her to connect with that. All the while, I'm trying to connect with what's going on inside of her. I'm trying to hear, what is she feeling? What's happening inside of her? I need to know what your needs are, what's going on with you, okay? When I hear your needs, when I understand your needs, I can work on that. I can give into that. And um, we adjust for each other now because we're both powerful. We both have power in this relationship. You know, I, I want her to know that she can come to us and say, I have some needs that I don't feel like they're getting met, but I wanna teach her how to do that in a way that is, is not fight, flight, or flee, freeze, fight, flight, or freeze. I wanted to do it in a way of saying, I'm gonna open my heart to you and show you what's going on inside of me. And here are my needs. Can you help me with that? And and I have to build trust with her to do that. Um, Help your children identify them so they can work on being responsible for their own needs. That's what I want. I want my kids to recognize what their needs are and be able to express them to me. Some time ago, Grace and care, my two daughters were, were fighting at another, over another issue. Now, this doesn't happen constantly, but it's common enough. And every once in a while, I kind of have to step in and kind of ease the tension. And so um, I'll bring them together, and I'll say something like, do you guys still love each other? And, and they do. So, like, I wouldn't do this if they were ready to say, no, I hate them. I'm not gonna... So I know where their heart is. I know where they are in, the, in this situation. Do you guys still love each other? Well, yeah, but I'm really mad. Okay, because right now it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. What is it that you need? And then I'll have them take turns listening to each other. You can only have one speaker and one listener. Yes. If you're both talking at the same time, it is never gonna work out. We might as well stop and go do something else. If you're both talking at the same time, talking about what you need, It is not going to work out. You've got to have one speaker and one listener. But what they ended up doing is saying, we don't know how to fix this conflict between us, but we at least know we love each other. I was like, all right, that's great. Let's just move on with that, and we're going to just keep trying to work on the conflict. And then they went off and kept playing, doing their own thing. So here are a few tools that we can use as we we continue. First one is, oh, no, what are you going to do? How is that going to work out for you? Oh, no is going to communicate, I'm sad for you. I know that this is going to hurt some, but I also know you're a smart kid. You will probably learn something helpful through this situation. I love you very much. Okay, so, you know, a, a, kid, uh, a, a kid is running late for school. They come to, to me and they say, you know, I, th- I tell them the car is, is leaving now, but I'm not ready. Oh, no. What are you going to do? And I want them to be thinking, what can I do? Oh, I can bring my clothes with me and change while I'm in the car. I can do this, I can do this. I'm not gonna come in and fix the problem for them. I want them to start thinking through it. What are you going to do is I'm going to help you, I'm helping you own your problem. So I'm willing to help you, but it is your problem. I do not want to confuse whose problem it is. When they realize they have a problem and don't know what to do, offer help. So we want, you can, it's hard to help somebody who doesn't have a problem if they want it to be your problem. So only someone, uh, you can only help someone when they realize they have a problem. You can't help somebody if they don't realize they have a problem. And then last, I'm going to ask, how is that going to work out for you? I might give them some possible choices and ask them how they think it'll work out. So Danny Silk has this great story he tells about Spooky the Hamster. So a kid comes home from school and he goes up to dad. He's like, Dad, I got bad news. What's wrong? I left my backpack on the bus. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. So I'm conveying empathy. Well, I got even worse news. Yeah. Well, I I took, I snuck the the hamster, Spooky the Hamster, into school. He's in my backpack. Oh, no, in this heat? Oh no, what are you going to do? And the kid's saying, what do you mean? You're supposed to rescue me here. What are you going to do? I don't know, I don't know, what am I I going to do? Now the kid's thinking, I need help, okay? I'm recognizing it's my problem. You're not rushing in to fix it for me. Now I want to come in and say, would you like some ideas? Yes, yes, I need some ideas. All right, now it's their problem that I'm helping them with. It's not my problem to fix, but I'm helping them with because I've got all this wisdom from years of experience that I can give to them. Well, one thing that you could do is you could just leave it on the bus and hope that it's there tomorrow. Now you're always gonna give them some options that are probably not the best, but they'll, they'll kind of say, no, I don't wanna do that one. They say, well, yeah, but it's a hot day. I don't think Spooky will be survived till tomorrow. I don't think that that's gonna work out. Yeah, you're probably right, okay, well, what if, what if we called the bus garage and see if they found, you know, what they do with, with abandoned hamsters at the bus garage? I say, okay, all right, let's do that. I say, all right, um, were you going to, you know, look up the number in the yellow pages or, or on the Internet? I'm eight. What do you mean I have to look up the, the number? Well, you don't have to. We could leave them on the bus. No, no, how do I do that? How do I do it? So now we're having a conversation. I'm teaching them responsibility. I'm showing them how this works. Now, I'll I'll show them that, and and they finally, they call, they they get to talk to the person at the bus garage, and they say, they do, they found it, and and the hamster's still in there, and he's still alive, and it's okay. I said, great, great, so how are you gonna get there? What do you mean, how am I gonna get there? You're gonna drive me, right? Well, uh, yeah, but not for free. I mean, it costs a little money, I'll charge you half of what Uber would cost, or you could call them. And now they're, now they're saying, oh, gosh, I didn't know it was going to be a service. But don't worry. Don't worry. You don't have to pay me cash. You can pay me in labor. I accept labor. Or you could pay me cash, or we could cash in one of your toys, and I'll sell it on eBay. What would you rather do? I'm giving them choices, but I want them to own the problem here. So, you know, one way or another, we work things out, and they, we get the hamster, and we come back home. And now I'm telling them, you did a good job figuring that out. You did a really good job figuring out how to deal with that situation. Now, you are ready to go do the work that we had planned for me? You know, and I guarantee you they're not going to sneak the hamster to school again because you were consistent with that. But you're also empowering them to realize, recognize they can handle quite a bit. They can actually handle. You also want them to have the message that it is safe to ask you for help, but not, it is not the idea to, that you're going to own their problem for, for them. You have all kinds of wisdom that you can give them, but you never want to take the problem from them. You want them to learn from it. Uh, Another one is um, no problem, don't worry about it. This one is a great one because what no problem means is, if I tell a child no problem, what that means is no problem for me, but there might be a problem coming up for you if you're not careful. Okay. So, you know, in that in that instance, um, no problem, you know, I'm sure that, that that something will happen to that hamster. Maybe they'll give it away to somebody. No problem though, I'm sure they'll have somebody. You don't like brushing your teeth? No problem. You know, I think I can, get, I can get discounts on root canals. That's no problem for me, but there might be a problem coming up for you. And don't worry about it. I tell my kids don't worry about it all the time because when you tell a kid, don't worry about it, what do they do? They start worrying about it, yes. So if I say don't worry about it, that's a cue to me that they're thinking, oh wait, why did he say don't worry about it? There's something I need to be concerned about here. So there was a, um, there was a mom who was practicing this with a teenage son, and he would not clean his room to save the world. And so um, finally she's like, pulling her hair out, and she's coming in, she's got to come in with with a plan. So she gets a plan. She comes in, and she comes to her son, and she says, by three o'clock, this room will be clean. He's like, yeah, right, okay, whatever. She said, no, it it will be clean. Um, Would you like to clean it, or would you like me to clean it? He's like, well, I never thought of this before. You could clean it? Yeah, you can pay me to clean it. Oh, I can pay you to clean it. Yeah. You want to clean it or you want me to clean it? I'm not paying you to clean it. No problem. Don't you worry about it. We'll work something out. Okay, so now he's thinking, what do you mean no problem? Three o'clock, she comes in. She cleans the room that she's, the way she's always dreamed of cleaning it. everything, spick and span in order, the way that she wanted it, and everything's done. And then she goes to him and she says, So um, I wondered how we could work out this payment thing for me cleaning your room. He's like, I'm not paying you to clean my room. She's like, don't you worry about it. I'll figure something out. And he's like, okay. So um, he goes to school the next day and he comes home and his PlayStation is missing. He's like, mom, where's my PlayStation? Oh, well, you know, remember that payment thing we talked about? Well, I figured I'd pawn that off so that we could pay for me to clean your room. What? But don't worry. I pawned it off to Johnny down the street, and he said you could probably do some work for him if you wanted to get it back or not. What happens is she's controlling what she can control, and he's not going to be put up a fight about cleaning his room again. She's consistent with the consequences. She's saying what she's going to do, and because she's, she's not trying to control what he does. I did this same thing I mentioned last time with my daughter, my daughter Grace. Is she wouldn't clean a room. And I told her, you only need to clean, pick up the toys that you want to keep. Everything else. And I'm, I've heard this story and I'm thinking, you know, oh, this is going to work. You know, She's going she's to want to clean it up because she knows, knows that I'm going to sell them. But when she found out that I was going to sell them, she's like getting excited and happy about it. And what I discovered is I cleaned up her room put all the toys together, and I was going to just sell them on eBay if she didn't want to do work. She didn't want to do work, so I sold them on eBay, and she was happy about it. What I discovered is she had too many toys. She didn't know what to do with all the toys, and when I sold them, she was happy about it. She was actually excited that I sold the toys, and everybody was happy. She'd bring her friends over, and she'd say, look how empty my room is. Isn't this great? And so what I discovered is she had a need that I didn't realize. I thought I thought if I just got, you know, if I got serious about uh, taking away her toys, she'd clean her room. What she really needed was less toys. And so we figured that out together. And, no, and everybody was happy in the end. I was happy, I got a little extra cash, the room was clean, she was happy, she had less that she had to worry about. We all worked on it together. Um, the other thing is a training session. A training session looks like this. You're gonna give them a task that they can handle but you want to secretly hope that they fail. Now, why would I hope my child fails? Not because I'm evil. (laughs) Because I want them to learn. Failure is a great way to learn. I want them to fail when they're young, so that when they're older, the, the consequences are higher when they're older. So I want to give them something that I know they can handle, but I want to hope that they can fail. But then I want to let the consequence and my sadness for what they did, I want to let that do the teaching. Then you give them an opportunity to do the task again now that they've learned something and do it next time. And I'm going to tell you Danny Silk's story of, with his kids, and then I'm going to tell you how it's worked with my kids. When um, his, his uh, boys were real young, one day he and his wife Sherry said, All right, this time, 8 o'clock, is bedtime. You guys can go in your room and do what you want. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear you until the morning. And they're like, what? My, ki- my parents have just gone nuts. You mean I don't, I can, I can stay up playing. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear you till morning. So, you know, we could, you know, get out the action figures and play all we want. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear you till morning. So they think this is amazing. So, so Danny and his wife Sherry go down and they're enjoying the evening. And pretty soon they hear the boys <laughs> up in the bedroom. Like, oh, I guess I can hear them. So they go up to the bedroom and they say, are you guys not tired? I say, no, we're not tired. So, all right, come with me. So they take one of them, they give them a broom, they take them out to the porch, say, all right, start sweeping until you get tired. Then they take the other one into the garage and say, all right, here's the the dustpan, and the broom. When you're finished with that, let me know if you're tired and if you're not tired we'll find something else that you can do until you're tired. So the one that's out on the porch he starts crying and he's like <laughs> just throwing a fit not sweeping anything standing there it's like oh buddy now they're giving empathy what's the matter are you cold yeah here's a jacket for you and he continues to do the job outside sweeping until he's done. Finally they both get done with their job and say all right guys are you tired yet, or do you need something else to do? They're like, we're tired, we're tired. They go up to their rooms, they go to bed, and they go to sleep. Years later, years later, they're teenagers. They're a little bit louder now. One of them went into the other one's room, and, and the, the crashing and banging is a little bit louder at this quiet time. All they do, the, the Danny and Sherry, from the couch, yell up the stairs, <clears throat> do you guys, are you guys tired or do you need something to do? And they're like, we're tired. One opens the door, and closes the door, opens the door, and the other will go back to the rooms and stay separate. Because they learned early on, we will be given something to do if we're not tired, okay? Now, I do this with my kids. I do this especially, um, they're, they're not too bad on regular nights, but when they have friends spending the night, I don't ever know what we're going to get, and so I've done this um, before um, with my kids. If it's getting loud in the middle of, you know, getting late, I'll pull them out and I'll say, are you, gonna, are you tired or do you need something to do? Or I may just say, do you, can you be quiet in your room with your friend or do you need to sleep downstairs while your friend sleeps upstairs? And it actually works. I bring them out and I say, because they know that I will do it. They, they're, ter- they're, they're, they're terrified that I will do it, not scared of me, but they know that the consequence will come. I'm not threatening them. I'm not saying that by saying, do we, how do we need to adjust this? Are you tired or do you need something to do? If you have a kid who likes stuff to do, give them the worst stuff. Like the stuff that you hate doing, toilet cleaning, you know, gross stuff. You got to find the worst stuff that they hate doing, the monotonous stuff. Make up stuff if you have to, you know, um, pulling they weeds. If, if they, then you, then, yeah. My child
1: is not sorry, but
0: my yeah. life is at my school, there, are sure. absolutely fine. Well, and we'll talk about next week about connection. But, but to, to start with that, if you don't have connection, you need to work on that first. You got to start with connection first. But what I would do if they're saying, no, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it. I'm still going to control what I can control, all right? So I, I, um, there was a mom who was with, with her sons, and they would just tease her and throw fits while she's driving in the car, and um, she just was humiliated, just couldn't stand riding with her two teenage sons. And finally, um, she says, I am not driving you guys around. You know, She's in the car with them. I'm not driving you guys like this. And she puts it in park and stops. She's like, get out. I'm not driving like this. You can't make us get out. She's like, you know what? You're right. I can't. So she's like, puts the car in park. She's like, I'm going to uh, go over. There's this cafe I wanted to try. Knock yourselves out in here. I'm going over there. I will get a ride home. So she walks over there, has, you know, enjoys her time at the cafe, gets a ride home. Later on that night, the boys walk home and she goes back and gets the car. And, uh, and she, they, they come up and they apologize to her because they recognize she's gonna control herself. So you always wanna come down to the point where you've got a plan that you can control what you can control. So if you've got, you got kids that that's gonna to be too difficult, I'm gonna find something else. Always there are things that I can control, such as meals. You know, when do they get their, their food? Or I'm just gonna wait until there's something that they want me to do And I'm going to say, I will do that as soon as your room is clean. I will do that as soon as you take care of that chore. And so I'm going to wait and recognize what I can control. Um, Hassle time. Hassle time is something that um, this is not the same thing as a timeout. um, Because I want them to recognize when I feel hassled, it's costing me something and I want it back. So the kids are fighting in the car, and I'm feeling hassled. I'm going to go to them as like, is this time that you're, I'm feeling hassled right now, is it worth it to you to trade me for some hassle time? Well, what's hassle time? Hassle time is um, you doing something for me, the equal amount of time, starting at least 20 minutes, that it cost me. So if I'm feeling hassled for five minutes, the price starts at 20, so so five minutes is not minute for minute, starts at 20, Then if I want to go beyond that, I'm going to say, I'm feeling hassled right now. Do you want it? Is it worth it to hassle me right now? Then you will owe me that 20 minutes. You can do that 20 minutes back in labor. You can do it back in time that's quiet. You, de- you decide what works best for you, but I want them to know the consequences of stealing my time is that I want that time back. I want replenished. I want something more back out of that. And then um, chair quiet place, that's another thing that you can do um, with kids who just, they seem to have all this energy and they won't go to bed. I would say, you know, you can sit in that chair. If you're not tired, you can sit in that chair as long as you need to until you get tired. You can talk all you want. And they may be trying to ask me questions. I'm gonna start using my one-liners with them if I respond at all. I know, probably so, that could be, I don't know. I'm gonna continue to go after that. And just let them sit there until they get tired, until they're worn out. And I will say, let me know when you're tired, when you're ready to go to bed. It's not the same thing as a timeout. It's a consequence because they have control to decide when they're ready. I'm letting them decide when they're actually tired. Um, Some other examples, when, um, when Grace and Kara, a few years ago, they went on this kick saying that they wanted to room together. Now I know that they have very different personalities and I think this is a terrible idea, but I told them, listen, you guys are powerful. If you can tell me a month from now that you still want to room together, I will make it happen. But I'm only helping you move in. If after that you decide you do not like rooming together, for I will, I will help you next year to move back, but I'm not going to help you. You will have to decide how you're going to move back. So, they, they actually lasted a month and I was surprised. I thought, I thought within that month they decided they didn't want a room together, but they still wanted a room together. They moved together and um, we moved everything in. I'm thinking, I don't know how this is gonna work, but I am not moving things back after they have made this decision. So they, uh, they go in and probably, if, actually for the first few months or few weeks, it actually went pretty well, but eventually their personalities started coming out and they're realizing we're not the best roommates. It wasn't the best situation. But I told, them, and they come to me and I said, this was the deal we made, okay? You guys wanted to do this, I will help you move back in a year. And um, you can move it back yourself, but those beds are pretty heavy and they're not gonna be stuck in the hallway. You can move it back yourself or you can wait. So they ended up waiting and it was rough for them, but they remembered that, that that was their powerful choice they made. And they, they you know, so in the future they recognize, all right, if I'm going to make a choice, Dad's going to follow through. It's going to be, you know, when he says that, he, he's going to mean it. Um, I want to give you this is a classic Danny Silk video. If you haven't heard the chicken coop story, this is a great story that kind of illustrates all we're, we're talking about.
2: Pretty was about 14 years old. She. Uh A very different value for getting the dishes done and And, sure do. and so every night I hear back and forth, Brittany, dishes. And I hear Brittany say, I will, just a minute. A little while later, Brittany, dishes. I'm in the bathroom. A little while later, Brittany, Dishes. I'm doing my homework like you said. Brittany, dishes. I will. They would do this thing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I'm watching it. This is not going to work that
1: good. (laughs) And
2: several times, Brittany would end up going to bed and not doing the dishes. Now, there is something special about dishes in the morning that Sherry really hates. I don't really understand what it is. It look like the same dishes to me,
1: <laughs>
2: but they're not. Dishes in the morning are evil. <laughs> evil. So Sherry has a real strong reaction to dishes in the morning. And so Sherry comes out, there's dishes in the sink. Sherry has this need to have a conversation with Brittany. They go to their, goes down in her room, so they're having this intense fellowship at the other end of the house. <laughs> and, and I can hear it on my end of the house, you are like, ooh, 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 ooh. And then Sherry comes to my end of the house to tell me what she just said to Brittany, which I heard already. She <laughs> <laughs> don't <laughs> respect me, she just me, she'd tired of the way she treats me, ah, okay, All right. well what are you going to do? <laughs>
1: stuck on
2: me, it doesn't work on me. I know. Meanwhile, Rebecca comes over. Now Rebecca is a 14-year-old, she's got her little ponytail. (laughs) And she's hanging out with Brittany, and pretty soon, boom, they're both gone. They're both at Rebecca's house. And Sherry comes out of the room and notices that Brittany's gone. She is very
1: unhappy, <laughs>
2: extremely unhappy. And so she comes back to me, says to me, what are you going to do? <laughs> so what am I going to do? Yes. <laughs> what are you going to do? So you are given this problem to me, is that what we're doing here? Yes. <laughs> I said, OK, you promise. Yes! Yeah. So I get up and I go in and I do the dishes. <laughs> oh, yeah? The dishes at my house, it's like, pull out the little trays here. I'm doing the dishes. It took, you know, seven minutes, maybe. Maybe. Like, Brittany comes back, she and Rebecca, they're all dolled up, got <laughs> their ponytails hot now, ponies on
1: parade.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Say, hey Britt, hey Becca, how you doing? Hey mom, hey dad, hey, we're going to the mall, good kick. Get- Can I go to the mall? Is that right? go to the mall with Rebecca and her mom? I said, sweetie, hey, I just want you to know, I did your dishes for you. Chicken coop for me. She goes, I'm the dad, I got the yucky jobs, right? I got the yucky
1: jobs. She goes, Can I look? Of course you
2: can. (laughs) So off she goes to the trash it. Now you have to understand that living in Weaverville is is this whole rural experience where you have to hide your trash from the animals, right? So you have this little enclosure of about twelve trash cans in there, you know, and the, and the boys just open the door and throw all the trash in there and hope it hits the can. And Eventually you have this mountain of trash and I know it's time to go to the dump because I can see the trash in the window and the door.
1: Right? <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I could see it for quite a while. It's I was going to get to it, you know. <laughs> I had to go borrow a trailer. It's just a hassle. It's just a hassle to go to the dump. So uh, she goes out there, she with Rebecca in tow, she opens the door. About ten million flies hit her in the mouth. <laughs>
1: Rebecca
2: says, What are we doing out here?
1: <laughs>
2: so Brittany's headed to the headed to the uh, chicken pen. Opens the chicken pen. going um, opens the chicken coop. <laughs> I was gonna get to that too. <laughs> so she comes back, says, chicken pen. I said, awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Whatever. I said, would you like to do that today? Or tomorrow after church? Tomorrow, if you want to. Could I go to the mall today? I said if you want to. <gasps> Daddy, thank you! She's hugging me. Because she's gonna do my chore for me tomorrow, instead of today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Daddy, thank you, and all she you. <laughs> and a lot of spirits are thinking,
2: Oh, you did not let a transgressor go. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, say it isn't. Don't you know that there must be bloodshed for the atoning of sin? <laughs> <laughs> Since then, I don't know if you've read it. it, just came out about 2,000 years ago. It's all right, it's okay. hang in there, hang in there. Okay, so it's the next day, it's Sunday, it's after church, and it is pouring down rain. Why? Because Jesus loves me. <laughs> I said, hey, sweetie. Hey, do you want to wear my my rubber boots or those pretty shoes you got? <laughs> boots. You want to wear a rain jacket or that pretty sweater you got? A rain jacket. You want to use a pitchfork or the shovel? <gasps> Probably need both. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> so off she goes. One, two. Three hours later, here she comes. She got straw hanging off her head, she's dragging tools into the, into the backyard. I and meet her at the door. I say, hey sweetie, what do you need? She goes, I'm done. I said, thank you so much. Whatever. And off she goes, take a shower, get warmed up. Probably about a week or two later, I hear Sherry say, Brittany, dishes. And Brittany says, I will in just a minute. I get up off the couch and say, hey, sweetie, I've got them for you. She goes, running through the house. (laughs) you. Get away from my
1: dishes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you get the point is you're controlling you. You're giving choices. Okay. You're not trying to punish. You're trying to let consequences speak for themselves. So a few key points to finish up. Don't argue. Don't bother arguing. Any kind of argument, uh, especially like point B, why is not a question. If they're asking you why, they're not asking for information. They're trying to talk you out of what, you, what they want. Okay. So go back to your one-liners. Okay? Why? I don't know. Well, you don't know, what do you mean you don't know? I don't know, I just don't know. That's just what we're doing. Hold them accountable. Make sure the consequences are not hollow threats. You have to be willing to follow through. So think through consequences before you give them. Don't wait till you get to the situation. That's why you're planning a training session with them, okay? If you have a kid who has trouble getting ready for school in the morning, what you do is you call the school beforehand and you say, we're having this thing. I'm doing a training session with my child. They may come in in their pajamas today and I'll, and they'll have a bag with them to change when they get there. Schools love it because they know that you're trying to work on discipline with them. As long as you keep them in the loop, this will work. So you tell your, your child, the, but, or the, the car leaves today at 7. Okay, If you don't have your clothes on, no problem. Don't worry about it. We'll just bring them with us. Okay, So so 7 o'clock comes, they're not ready. You gather everything up and you bring them into the car with you and you drop them off at the school in their pajamas carrying their clothes in, okay? So that the school is aware of what's going on. You walk them in. And then when it's done, you, you're, not, you're not trying to punish them. You're not trying to be mean to them. You're not trying to scold them. See, so I told you you have to do this. I'm going back and just saying, so, you know, we're leaving at 7 o'clock again. How'd things work for you at school last time? How did that work out last time for you? And, uh, you know, they may be unhappy and upset, but I'm not trying to say this is your punishment. I'm showing them this is the consequence. The, the car leaves at seven. If you're not ready, you will get ready in the car or at school. Those are your choices. You can, you can decide whichever one you want. Uh, one of my daughters has had a hard time. Every other day, she doesn't get up on time. And so I said, you can be an alarm, you can set your alarm clock, or you can pay me to be your alarm clock. I don't care which one, I will know what you've chosen when it's, when it's seven o'clock and you should be up. If your light's on, I know you've chosen your own alarm clock. If not, I will be your alarm clock and I'm happy to collect some cash for that or labor, okay? Your choice, whatever you wanna do. Now, maybe she accidentally forgets, that's okay. That's kind of how life works. If I make an accident, I still have to figure out, I have to deal with the consequences. I'm not trying to be mean, I'm not trying to punish her, I'm just trying to stay consistent and let her know what I'm going to do and expect her to control herself. Help them figure out what they need, ask good questions. Okay, what are you needing here? You're throwing a tantrum, what are you, are you hurt? Are you scared, what's bothering you? Okay, get to the bottom of that. Um, Let the consequences do the talking and then let them know I'm here to help but I expect you to learn how to do it. I will help you with my wisdom. I help you as much as I can, but ultimately it's your responsibility. Um, We're running about out out of time, so I need to skip the discussion part, but I want you to think about this on your own. If there are ways that you've used fear in the past to try to control your children and what ways you might be able to, to change that. So your homework is find some things, some expectations you give your child and make a plan on how you will react if they fail. Make sure it's a learning plan, not something that you're gonna laugh at them because they failed and you, know, you don't wanna pull them down, you wanna build them up. And then you give them another chance to try it again and help them learn through it. And then look for any areas in your home where fear has been used and make a plan to change that. So I wanna pray for you guys and I told the sitters we would get out on time. If you have questions after that, I'd ask you to go get your kids and then come back and ask me questions. Let me pray and we'll close. Lord, I just thank you that you created us for freedom. You created us for love, to be in love with you and to receive your love well. Help us to know how to love our kids better and to not use fear as as their motivation. God, I pray that you help us to work on our heart connection with them in Jesus' name. Amen.